Freedom Center. Can I start today by just simply saying congratulations? You made it through 2020. And I, it is, it, it could almost sound like it's a joke, but I really mean that. Like, we, we made it. Uh, I'm not suggesting that because it's 2021, something has changed drastically, uh, other than the calendar. How many of you guys know that things, you know, there, there's a lot of things still for us to deal with and things that are in front of us and things that are behind us. But I, I, guess, I guess I just wanted to say that there has not been a year like 2020 in the last 25 years of being here. And uh, I just would not wanted to have gone through that with any other congregation historically than, than this one. And I'm not, that's not to take anything away from any other congregation. It's simply to say, I believe that God put all the right people in all the right places at all the right times with all the right stuff. I have some regrets about 2020, but they're far more personal than they are corporate. When it comes to what this church did and how you did it and who you did it for, um, I have nothing but gratitude in my heart. So congratulations, you're here, and it's 2021. <laughs> we, we survived 2020, and uh, we're moving forward. So I remember this time last year, though, it was kind of funny how it almost feels like, uh, like when you're in junior high, you thought that was the whole world, and then you hit high school. And you realize junior high was a game. You know what I mean? And then high school was your whole world. And then you joined the army. And, and high school was a game. And then you got out of the army where everybody told you what to do. And you had to start telling yourself what to do. And the army was still the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. But it was a game in some ways compared to like having to make your own decisions and choices. And 2020 was like that. I remember this time last year kind of looking at the fields, and hey, we're going to do this a little more, a little less. We're going to shift this. We're going to expand that. We're going to, we've got vision. We're moving forward. And all of a sudden, it's like I was going for a morning swim, and someone started screaming, you got 2.4 miles, now start swimming. And so you're swimming, and you're swimming, and you're swimming, and swimming. And then some idiot throws into the lake a bicycle and says, all right, now you need to bike 112 miles. And I realized, wait a minute, I was just going for a morning swim, and now it's starting to feel like an Ironman. And then someone gives me some tennis shoes while I'm still on the lake trying to carry the bicycle and says, hey, now what you got to do is a marathon, 26.2 miles. Anybody else feel like that? Like it, all the, there's this virus that's coming. Ah, it'll stay in China. It didn't. There was racial tensions. Well, that'll last the summer. It didn't. And then some idiot decided to run for public office, and everything blew up on top of everything else, right? And so here we are. Looking back at the year, and, and I, I'll just say this. My 2020 vision is now something that I'm looking back on, not forward to. Does this make sense? So it was a testing time for all of us. Somebody say amen. Our faith, our patience with one another, with the systems, with our neighbors, with social media, uh, with you know, our maturity, our ingenuity to try to create ways. Hey, by the way, it's Thursday, and Sunday you can't have church. What do you do? Like, ah. Find a young person and ask. That's what old people do, right? Find a young person and ask. Uh, our community was really challenged, really tested. And so today, we're going to start a series called There Is More. And it really is a foundational series for the rest of the year. Instead of saying, hey, it's the first Sunday in January. Let's just release the vision. I thought it might be best for us to take a few weeks leading up to building a foundation. Does that make sense? Beneath the vision. Like there are certain things we are going to have to do. Certain things we're going to have to be in order for anything we're going to talk about happening can actually happen with any sort of stability or success. So next week, we're going to talk about putting the right in righteous. How many of you guys know it doesn't matter if you're righteous if you're not right? And it doesn't matter if you're right if you're not righteous. 
We're going to talk about that. And, I, and let me just say as well, the next three weeks, put on your shoes, get your gym bag out, bring a towel to church because we're going to be doing some exercises. We're going to be, I'm going to be challenging you. We are, a, we are known as a church where it's easy to find Jesus and easy to develop relationships and easy to get healed. But, but I, I would say this, if there's anything in the, the large corporate setting that we might lack, it's meatiness. Meatiness happens in our smaller groups because where there's a small group, there's accountability. Iron sharpens iron. That's proximity. I can't sharpen. I'm not a big enough stone to sharpen everybody in the room. I'm responsible to teach the Word of God. I want to follow the Holy Spirit in doing that, but I want you to know the next three weeks, you better bring your teeth. And if you can't bring your tennis shoes, bring your steel-toed boots, because if I can't make you run, I'll sure hurt your feelings. Amen. So uh, two weeks from the day, we're going to talk about doing is actually greater than talking. And then in week four, we're going to share the vision for 2021. So today I want to lay a foundation, and here it is simply. The foundation for 2021, but really more than that, the foundation of the Christian life. We have to be known as people of love. Somebody say amen. We, we, it isn't like this optional, hey, I'll get it better at it. Like if we are not known for this singular thing called love, then we are known for the wrong thing. Let me say that again. If we are known for our moral stances on social issues, but we're not known for lovingly standing where we stand, we are not known for the right thing. Everything that is motivating us to do what we do, what we're for, what we're against, what we believe in, how we love our neighbor, all of this has to come out of this foundation of love. We are the light of the world and the salt of the earth, unless we're not. And if we're not the light of the world, and if we're not the salt of the earth, that which makes change, that which has an effect, if we're not those things, then I would simply ask, then what are we? If we're not light and we're not salt, then what are we? And we'll get to that in just a minute. So I would just say this, that life is far too complex without these basic foundational, yet very self-sacrificing, even crucifixional decisions. If, if we do not, if we do not make decisions about our, our bedrock choices as we follow Christ, we can't follow Christ. So these are the bedrock statements of our lives. Without these as a foundation, who we are is useless, and what we build crumbles soon. So here's our first one. You ready? Everybody say this with me. Say it with me. You ready? Jesus, come on. Jesus commands us to love all people at all times without stinking exceptions. Now, can I join? If your heart just said, oh, crud. I said, oh, crud, when I wrote that. I said, oh, crud, when I just read that. I, of all the things Jesus has asked me to do, the hardest thing he's asked me to do is this. This is what tests my love for God. This is what tests my, my spiritual depth. My maturity is not found in my intellect, but in my ability to die when it's the right thing to do. This is, this is shockingly difficult. So how I express my love is, is very... So some people say, well, we're supposed to love people. Okay, I'm so sick of being loving. Can we just be righteous? Yes, but hear me. I am loving my child when I give them a Christmas gift, yes? I'm also loving my child when I give them a spanking, when they need it, yes? So there's, there's a love that expresses a multitude of ways. So if you think that Jesus is this kind of milky white, flowery, hippie, you know, with, with a, a crown of dandelions on his head saying, peace, love, dope, you're missing who he is. Jesus confronted the leaders of a nation. Jesus confronted kings. Jesus confronted, you know, if he could have emperors, but certainly the emperor's, you know, re- representatives. Jesus had no fear of any man on earth. And he loved them by confronting them. At the same time, Jesus found people in moments of great need, great despair, great humility, great humiliation, and he met them there with another expression of love. So let's ask Jesus this morning. You guys doing good? 
Let's ask Jesus how important love is. Here we go. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees, another political party of Judaism, if you will, got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, well, it's love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. This has the greatest priority and holds within it the greatest weight. How many of you guys know that the, the first stone you lay is the one that has the greatest weight, the cornerstone? It is the first priority of any building project, and it has to have the greatest weight because all other stones balance onto. That's, that's the, 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 the fulcrum that everything balances on. And Jesus says the fulcrum of this life with God is this. Love the Lord with, God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And then he says this, and the second, now what was Jesus asked? What's the what? So you would expect his answer to have one part. Jesus answers it with two parts. This is pretty extraordinary because Jesus has asked about 300 direct questions. Are you this? Do that. Show us a sign. What about this? What about those? And Jesus almost universally answers the questions with parables or other questions that leads his students to their own conclusions. How do you guys know that, that if I dig and I find gold, it has a different value than if you just give it to me? That if I earn money to buy a car, that money earned, that car has a different value than one that is given to me. Does this make sense? The stimulus check money will have a different value than that. Now, I'm just meddling now, but you know what I mean. I did earn that. I know. I know. I, I know. I know. I know. I know. The second is like it, and it's to love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two verses. All the law, all the prophets, all the, all the tapestry of the truth of God woven into colors and shades and patterns, all the foreshadowing of the Messiah, all the, the heart of God regulations concerning how people should treat one another, all the, 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 the rules on rest and work and feasting and fasting and celebration and worship and all of these things without love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself, all the truth of God falls to the ground. Does this make sense? This is what Jesus is saying. When you have this in place, then this is what happens. We clearly see obedience to what God is doing. We clearly see the, the, the other things because it hasn't been diminished by not being hung up on something. If this is loving the Lord your God and this is loving your neighbor, then all the laws dangle on this in the wind. We get to see it. But if we don't have these things... We, we understand immediately that what God wants the world to see is not seen. If they don't see that, they don't see this. Somebody say amen, right? Why is this? It's because obeying the Sabbath, but being a lazy employee diminishes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you here? Think of it this way. Because being faithful to your wife, but verbally abusive to your neighbor's wife undermines the power of the gospel. Because going to church religiously to worship God and then hating people created in God's image over any issue undermines the gospel. But that was a good amen. You guys didn't mind it when I was hating my neighbor's wife, but that evidently got you. All right? The proof of truly loving God, the proof of truly loving God is that we, we love him, but the second is like it. Why does Jesus answer a question when he's not asked? 300 times he's asked direct questions, three times he answers directly, and only once does he answer a question in conjunction that was never asked. 
He says the most important thing is loving God. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's the Deuteronomy 6, 5. You ever see the Jews go to the wailing wall and they've got the, the, you know, the, the little braids and the tallits on their, their holy underwear and Baruch Hashem, Adonai, Elohim, and they're doing back and forth, back and forth. That's what they're praying. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. Love him with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. He's saying, listen, if you don't have that and, how would we know if we have that? Let's, Tom and Kathy, can I use you guys for, as an example? It's too late now. I already did, I think, and it's on social media, so... Morning, social media. Morning, live stream. I'm pretty tired. Good morning, everybody on the other side of that camera. There we go. If, if Tom and Kathy love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, how would you know that? What would be the evidence of that love? And anybody, just think about it for a second. If, if I, I, I love God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, all my strength, well, how, how, what would the proof of that be? Because my walk with God is unseen to you unless there's fruit. Let me say that again. How, if I worship really loud in the front row and I love Jesus, and, and you might say, man, look at that guy. He loves to worship, but you don't know if I love God until you see me outside of that environment. Maybe, let's just put me in, let's put me on US 23, let's say on a snowy day where everybody's had a week off and they're driving like they have a month off and you're trying to make it to church on time. How would anybody know if I love God? What would the evidence be of the who's loving God? What would we look for? We would have to look for things that weren't just dedicated, that weren't just prayer that we don't see, or worship that happens outside the worship service, or how long they spend in the Bible. We would know they love God by the way they love people. This is why Jesus connects the two. The proof of truly loving God is obedience to his commands. In other words, we prove we love God when we love our neighbors. Without loving God and loving people, it really doesn't matter what other commandments we obey. Please hear me. When we come to 2021, here we are. It really doesn't matter what we do unless we do this well. It really doesn't matter who we help if we don't help them because of a fruit of loving God becoming loving people. This is it. Without loving God and loving people, it really doesn't matter. So let's get real. Um, all the law and the prophets hang on loving God and loving people. So here we go. You ready? What am I supposed to do if my neighbor is against everything I'm for? I know this doesn't happen in our country anymore. But let's just say someday in a third world led by a dictator, this might happen to them. So let's, let's just do this for everybody stuck in Ethiopia. All right? What am I supposed to do if my neighbor is against everything I'm for? Or what am I supposed to do if my neighbor hates me? because of what I believe or who I am or because my dog dookied in their yard or their dog dookied in mine and I fed him some radiator fluid. What, what, if, what if there's an issue there? What am I supposed to do if my neighbor wants to take away my rights? What am I supposed to do if my neighbor is a lunatic, right? Those are great questions. How many of you guys agree those are great questions? They might even be valid to some of us in this room right now. Not everyone, but a handful of all of us, right? What am I supposed to do? Those are great questions, but here's one that is more important than those questions that might help you frame those questions better. Here it is. What is your neighbor supposed to do if your salt isn't salty? They're trying to take away my rights. They hate me. They're, they're against me. They don't believe what I believe. They, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. Trust me. I get it. But what are they supposed to do if we don't get loving God and loving them right? What other choice do they have if the church of Jesus Christ is more excited and inflamed and impassioned by worldly issues than by the issue of bringing the kingdom of God to earth? What choice do they have? What options do they have? 
we got to make the decision to love everybody. And when we do the question, and this is a beautiful question, it's no longer who do I love, who's worthy of it, but how do I love? How many of us know that life is a lot simpler once you make the decision to love everybody? Boy, it's quiet in here today. Isn't it great? Remember 2020 we're all happy to come to church? And I was like, he's getting serious. I, I, let me take a step back for a second. The opportunities that present themselves in this year are unlike any other opportunity. I think we're seasoned in the last 25 years. We have learned more in the last 12 months of how to reach people for Christ than ever before. What we're doing now is purifying and deepening the foundation of this church so that when they connect to who we are, they'll be connecting in a greater way to who he is. We've, we need to reprioritize some parts of our life, guys. Come on. And so we're calling to that. The question on who to love actually builds walls. Who do I love? Well, they look like this. Well, their politics are that. Well, they, they say this. Well, they cheer for that team. And I won't get into the details of lesser teams, even though they are going to the national championship. And I, I found myself cheering for Clemson for the first time in my life the other night. You know? Yeah. I will, I will cheer for Ohio State, though. I will say, go, 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 just go, just go to jail with the, your coach. Anyway, let's just say this. It's, I love him. I do. Let me just get back to my sermon. Isn't it exhausting to figure out who's worthy of your love? When, when you stop trying to decide who deserves it and you start to decide how to love everybody, it's a very different set of questions. When we say, I just love them, I don't care what team they root for, I don't care what gender, I don't care what their issues are, I don't care what their politics are, I don't care what their, their gender politics are, I don't, I don't care. What I care about is this. I see a soul where God calls a soul a soul. And, and when I see worthy of love, if God so loves the whole world, then that is not excluding anyone. So as I go to love the world around me, I am not to exclude anyone either. Remember, it's not mushy. I'll get to this in a second. But it's actually exhausting to me to decide who's in and who's out. And it's actually liberating to decide everybody's in. If I'm in, everybody's in. If God loved me, come on, everybody's in. Who's unworthier than yourself? Because you know you. you. You might know some things about my story, but you don't know me. I actually know me. And if God loves me, then who am I to withhold love from anybody else? I like what Jesus says here, and I think it's Luke. It says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. You're going to have his resemblance. They're going to know whose you are. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Don't even tax collectors do that. If you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that? He says this, be perfect, therefore, as I am perfect. So what's the standard to which Jesus has called us? It's perfection, right? Now let's put this all to work. You guys doing Okay. Kind of quiet. Is it just too serious? Let me do some puppets for a second. No? All right. I'll try this. All right. I'm sure a lot, you know, people at live stream, they're like, yeah, preach it. But here I get it. It's a little, a little intimidating. Uh, John chapter 8, verses 2 through 11 says this. At dawn, we're going to put it all together, he, Jesus, appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. Now picture that. Like, just picture that. He sat down in the temple courts, people gathered around, and he begins to teach them. Now, the teachers of the law break up this beautiful moment where the kingdom is being shared with people that are blind and ignorant. Their eyes are opening up. The light bulb's coming on. They're starting to realize stuff they didn't know. And all of a sudden, there's this ruckus in the back. And here comes these guys in robes and long beards. And they got all the special stuff. And they got their scepters that shows they have authority. And they take this woman and they throw her in front of Jesus. 
teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the act of adultery. They made her stand. Stand here. I don't want to. Stand here, we say. They made her stand before the group of people who'd gathered to hear about the kingdom, not about her sin. And they said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write in the ground with his finger. Now, what does that mean there's a, a basis for accusation? It's just simply this. Piano girl, join me if you would. The, the basis is simply this. Grab this. If Jesus, as a, a subject legally to Rome, having no authority as a Roman citizen, he does not have the right to execute, to pronounce a capital crime against somebody else. Only the Romans could execute other people, and they did by the thousands, by the hundreds of thousands. But Jesus doesn't have that right. So either he's going to disobey Rome, and the, and the Pharisees are going to say, hey, Kobayashi Maru, we got you coming or going. Heads you in, tails, you know, I, I lose, whatever that is. Flip it around. It's a no-win scenario. And so they say, if he says execute her according to the law, then we can have Rome execute him. If he says don't execute her according to the law, he's proven himself to be a false teacher. We may be able to beat him and ostracize him and imprison him for being a false teacher. So when they kept on questioning him, this is what Jesus does. He straightened up and he said to them, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. How many of you guys wonder what he wrote? Wouldn't this be a funner story if we know what he wrote? I was talking to Mike the other day, and he was bringing up a teaching. And I haven't had time to look at it, but it is an interest, it's interesting enough that I'll put it out there that those who are without sin could also be translated those who are without this sin. Now, isn't that a better story, the second way? Yeah, yeah, sure. Anybody that wants to throw a stone on her and kill her, like pile of rocks, dead, condemn her. Okay, here's the one qualification. You have to be innocent of what you're accusing her of being guilty of. And if you can't, then you have no business executing judgment on her unless you first judge yourselves. And then he bends over and starts to write in the sand. Now, this is my twisted King Jim version. I think he starts writing the names of some lady friends. And he writes, you know, I'm trying to think of a name that no one have here. Frida. Gertrude. That was the only two I could think of. <laughs> Dolly Pardon. I don't know. That's something else, right? And, and, and here's the Pharisee going, Executor, we've got him cornered. And he sees, he sees Dolly Pardon. He's like, oh, crud. Well, fellas, I got to go home now. Drops his rock and splits. And writes the next one. You know, let's just do the Flintstones. Uh, Betty. Wilma, pebbles, and, and all of a sudden, one by one, they're gone. And until he stops writing when evidently everybody's gone. So that's kind of a fun thought. This is at, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, sir. And neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, now go Go and leave. Go. Don't go back to that. Don't go back to him. Don't go back to it. Don't go back. I've just brought you forward because of love. Don't go back to the imitations and the, the false. Just don't go back. Leave your life of sin. Now, please hear me. Please get this. Jesus loved everybody in that story. He loved them all differently. Are you getting this? 
but love was extended to every single person. Think about it this way. The woman needed love to be merciful. And he was. Look how beautifully merciful he was. He didn't see what she did. He saw what he came to do for her as greater than what she had done. The Pharisees, they needed love to expose their hypocrisy. And, and he did. I love that he didn't shame them. He didn't stand up and say, well, what about Wilma? What about Pebbles? What about Bam Bam? What about, what, maybe you didn't do it, but your wife did and you knew it. And you, you, you know, it's a big secret. If the other guys at the Pharisee club found out about it, you'd be shamed. But you were too ashamed to expose her because it would expose you. And, and, and he didn't do that. He didn't take her shame and get revenge for her. He didn't want to win the debate. He wanted to win the heart. Because that's what love does. Make sense? And the crowd needed love to be wiser than the basis for the unsolvable arguments. And again, he was. Jesus treated everyone differently in that story because love demanded a different response to what everybody was going through. So hear me. Men, sometimes we get accused of, of like feminizing the Western man because we're all a bunch of beastly animals anyway, right? Because all no, you have to be reduced to love. You got to be a good boy. Listen to me. I think Christian men should be the most dangerous things on the planet, but not because we, we destroy what's in front of us, but because the power of love flowing through us exposes hypocrisy. It, it exposes the, those that, that they have no, they're, they're righteous, but they're not right, or they're right, but they're not righteous. We, we, as men, I believe, need to stand up in our families, stand up in our communities, stand up in our businesses, and don't even get me started on the ladies. Anything meaner than a grizzly bear is his mother-in-law. Right? Women of God, anointed by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. What, a, what an incredible force on this planet. I'm not calling us to loving silence and weakness. Let's just have prayer meetings. No, I think we should be extraordinarily active in the issues of our day. But if we act outside of love, I don't think the devil even cares who's right anymore as long as we act outside the nature of Christ when we react. So it's time for us to get back to the nature of Christ. I love that Jesus wasn't afraid of the Pharisees and he wasn't repulsed by the woman and he wasn't angry at the crowd. Jesus just simply did what love demanded. And that's 2021, guys. What can we do if we decide to love everybody in our community, everybody in our family, everybody in our church, everybody that has a different opinion, everybody that yelled at us in 2020 and told us we were idiots, called us names? What, what if we decided not to create a list of who got to be loved, but how we love the people in our neighborhood? How is it? Here's my last thought. You ready? All that God wants to do in your life, all that God wants to do in this church, all of it, all the plans, all the woven tapestry, all the beautiful plans and colors and patterns and shapes and all that he's brought together into one beautiful thing called 2021, if we don't get this right, then what happens to us this year, we got to get this right. But if we do get it right, then what happens when Freedom Center Church says, we don't care what you say about us. We love our enemies. We don't care how much it costs us. We give until it hurts. We don't, we don't care what you think of our theology, what you think of our personality. We don't care what you think of our pastor. Oh, it's too quiet. All right. well, some people do. Some people do. Thanks. Deacon, one deacon said amen, so that's good enough for me, right? We can start a movement. What if God's plans get, get positioned on loving God and loving people? can happen if we don't get this right and I 
I'm not saying we haven't. I'm saying we have room to grow. If we don't get this right, then everything God's bringing our way, it just falls to the ground. If we are known for anything, may we be known as a people that love God, love each other, and love the world. Somebody say amen. Amen. So, Father, today I thank you that there's more. There is. 2021 brings all sorts of just, we'll talk about it in a few weeks. But the greatest opportunities, it's, it's, it's like we're starting all over again, but, but now instead of adding, we're using multipliers. We're using algebra instead of basic math. There's this, there's this beautiful exponential that has come our way. God, there's these opportunities. There's these, there's these moments that we can see from where we are right now, pioneering something that's never existed before in this house, calling on people that are here right now to begin pastoral ministry in their own homes calling on people here right now to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit to a greater dimension, calling on people to step out of whatever their boat is onto the waters of wherever you are. God, I, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you, and I pray that before we even begin to share those things, may we remember the foundation of those things, that which everything else hangs on is loving you, loving the people around us right now, loving our neighbors, ourselves. I wish you'd have said loving God. It would have been so much easier, but you didn't. And the second is like it. The proof of obedience to the first and greatest commandment is obedience to the second greatest commandment. So I pray God make us people known for great love. <sighs> no good being right if we're not righteous. So help us. I, I wasn't going to do this, but with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder if there's just an opportunity here. Uh, I know this is fresh for some of you, and I know that where my words are going to fail, God's going to have to say some things now. But as you have your 2020 vision, as you look backwards, do you see where love could have helped you through those hard times, those hard conversations, a greater love, a sacrificial love? Do you see where the wisdom that would come from wanting their best would have helped you in that debate, that conversation? If if what we left on people in 2020 was less than what all the law and the prophets hangs on, then I would call this house to a place of repentance. Not, not bitter weeping and tears, just a simple, I think I got it now. And I stand adjusted, my course corrected, my mind cleared. I am not here to decide who deserves my love. I'm here to figure out how to love women caught in the act of adultery. Pharisees that hate me and a crowd that's just mostly filled with apathy. God, fill us with your love. Spill us out. If you need to just say to God, I, I find myself lacking and I know that there's more and I want that more. Would you just, in your own way right now, respond? You can raise your hand. You can say yes to God. You can nod your head in your heart. Right now, Father, we just bring ourselves to a place of just saying to you, if there's more, we want it and there is. Or we failed, we're sorry. But may the ashes of yesterday's failures become the foundations of tomorrow's success and glory. If the salt loses its saltiness, it's no good, longer good for anything to be thrown out and trampled on by men. If a church that is righteous is not right or right is not righteous in this area, then, then it doesn't matter how righteous we are if we don't do it the right way. It doesn't matter how right we are if we don't do it the right way. So God, I pray quantum leaps, exponential, exponential expansion of your kingdom in our hearts and lives. Forgive us our failures and renew us.
promise for a vision of the future. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. The last 90 seconds of the service is just simply for you. You walked in the door today and you're like, Jim, I'm not right with God. I, you know, talking about loving people. I don't even know if I love myself. Talking about being forgiven. I don't know if I could ever forgive myself or forgive the people that harm me. I, mercy is just such a, such a huge concept. I want you to hear me. When God looked at you before you were born, knowing every day from your first day to your last day, he knew that you would need a savior, not just a teacher, not just a coach, not just a mother or a father, or a, a mentor or a tormentor. He knew that you would need someone to destroy, to defeat everything that would destroy and defeat you. And so he sent his son in the flesh, Jesus Christ, joy of the world, the Lord has come from the glories of an eternal heaven through the birth canal of a virgin laid in the, the feed trough of a donkey living as we live, yet never being defeated once. He lays his life down. And if you will, it's like he said, I will pay for their debt. I, I will take their place when it comes to punishment so they can take my place when it comes to reward and righteousness and relationship. He gave himself to buy back out of slavery every person that enslaved themselves to their own sins. And now he is ascended to the right hand of the Father where he's called out your name before God the Father today, ever making intercession. It says ever standing between the earth and its need and heaven and its abundance. And he, he grabs your hand and he grabs the hand of the Father and today he's pulling you together. Will you accept this gift? Will you receive this mercy? Will you say yes to his proposal of covenant relationship with you? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. You're here like Jim. This is me. I want that. I need that. Don't, don't have another year distant from him. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day you say yes. He said yes a long time ago. Today's the day you say yes back. That's you. I want you to just take a simple step of faith today. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to ask you just to simply in a moment, raise your hand. Online, same thing. Little hand emoji. Boop. But today's the day. I'm not taking another step into this year until I get everything right from all of my yesterdays. Believing that Jesus can bury my, my history and in this moment birth my destiny. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand all over this room right now. That's me. That's me. Awesome. Awesome. That's me. That's me. Yeah, I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you, God. So, Father, I thank you for every uplifted hand. It's connected to an open heart that just said, come in, that just said, take away everything that stands in your way, that just said, I want you more than anything else. 2021, being born again, being brand new, being created in Christ Jesus, we now declare we will be people of your love. We've been loved. We've been forgiven. Our sins have been overlooked. We've been patiently endured until this moment of adoption. This moment, our eyes opening up, God, and in the same way, I pray, give us those same eyes to see the potential in every person. May love that won us now win through us multitudes. Let us never be hypocrites. Let us never justify behavior because of the current days. May we simply pursue you and your perfection as you have called us now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Hi. You guys doing okay? Next week's sermon is going to be funny. I almost want to triple dog dare you to stick your tongue on the flagpole of next week's sermon. 
why don't you gather your stuff? Nobody can leave quite yet. But uh, if you would, please stand to your feet. Why don't you get your stuff together? Our staff and our volunteer team is going to help escort you out of the room in a safe way. Again, guys, we didn't have a single case of transmission in 2020. And I can guarantee you we haven't had a single case in 2021 either. Let's keep that record intact. Live stream, thanks for joining us today. And uh, may you just go in the peace of the Lord as people direct you out of the room right now. Guys, talk to them. We're going to dismiss you row by row. We're going to let you out. God bless you. You're dismissed.